Welcome to Centering Centers, a Pod Network podcast exploring the work of teaching and learning centers and the vision and insights of educational developers. Pod is North America's largest educational development community, supporting members through professional learning and interaction. This podcast is produced by the Digital Resources and Innovation Committee. To get involved, email us dri at podnetwork.org. In this episode of Centering Centers, co-chair of the Pod Network's Digital Resources and Innovation Committee, Jana Vovides, engages in a conversation with the Pod Network's newly appointed Executive Director, Danielle Gabriel. Danielle Gabriel's professional background encompasses program management in educational and museum settings. At the George Washington University Office of Alumni Relations, she was involved in program development and alumni engagement. She also served as the Assistant Director for Museum Grants and Stewardship at the George Washington University Museum and the Textile Museum, where she managed institutional giving and community support. She earned a BA in Art from Lafayette College and an MA in Museum Studies from George Washington University. Currently, Danielle is a doctoral candidate in human organizational learning at George Washington University's Graduate School of Education and Human Development, focusing her research on inclusivity and the intersection of social exclusion with organizational routines. As executive director, Danielle looks forward to guiding the pod network into its next phase, collaborating with its leaders, members, and staff to enhance its impact on the educational development community and shape the future of higher education. One of the questions that you had posed to me is about my vision for the pod network. And I've only been in this role for about two months. So it's really hard to develop what a vision could be at this point. But what I've noticed about being a part of POD and that and the members is that most everyone that I've come in contact with, they're very dedicated to POD Network and their fellow members. And that's really encouraging and motivating to be a part of. One of the things about myself is that I care deeply about most everything, but I also care deeply about the work that I do and the people that I serve through my work. And I always hope that people leave an experience with me or an experience that I crafted with their curiosity sparked and their world expanded. And I feel like that would be my vision for POD is that we deepen our caring for one another, but we're also sparking curiosity and expanding each other's world. So as you were talking, I was thinking, is there an approach to, for example, to how you onboard volunteers potentially, or how we want to connect different centers to the pod network? Yeah, there's a lot of different aspects to this organization. And I think that's a good thing. Um, There's 
people doing lots of different types of work. There's people who are in teaching and learning centers, people who are educational developers, people who are in leadership roles within universities, and people who are instructional designers, and people are coming from all these different aspects. And I think that there's a lot of potential to bring that together more and have a lot even more cross-functional discussions and knowledge sharing about what educational development as a whole can be. Because educational development really encompasses all of those different people working together towards student success. And so I think that's where the pod network can really excel is in bringing all those pieces together for the good of students and the good of future learning. So then the conference is one of the primary ways of bringing the community together is my understanding. Just from what I've seen in terms of the development of the conference, I think there is a lot of opportunities to reimagine what the conference is for various individuals. I think one of the things that I have heard very often is that the pod network is a place where a lot of people find their home and that the conference is a place where people are, it's like a homecoming for people to connect with their family of educational developers. But at the same time, there's also individuals that have expressed that's not their experience. And I think it'll be interesting to see at this conference what that sort of culture looks like. Why is it that some people are really finding their home here in this very caring environment and other people are feeling left out, like they don't belong? Like, why is there such a huge divide between those groups of people versus another organization might have a more... um, medium temperature of people's engagement, either or in this scenario. And so I think that there is a way to figure out how to bring more people into that environment of feeling like they belong there. Centers for Teaching and Learning can play a huge role in setting the stage for inclusive pedagogy and providing the tools and resources that are necessary for people to be able to adopt and implement that in their teaching. I just think that faculty come into a teaching space being very knowledgeable about their specific subject area or area of expertise, which comes with its own epistemology, their own assumptions, values, worldviews, perspectives. And when they go into teaching, they're utilizing the same frameworks from what they were taught that subject, and they're passing down that knowledge to their students in the same way. And the problem with that can be that whatever subject matter or the epistemology that they're coming from may also have been built on a foundation of social exclusion. So either by race, class, gender identity, sexuality, or it's coming from a place of colonialism or imperialism, depending on the subject area. And so there's an imperative to undo that social exclusion. And I think that a lot of people just don't know how to do that. But if a center for teaching and learning can teach people how to do that, I think 
that's a way for people to be able to access that information in a way they wouldn't be able to research on their own and try to undo it on their own because they just don't know how. Not that they don't have the capacity to do it. They don't they just don't know where to start. And I think that educational developers working on inclusive pedagog pedagogical support can help move us toward more inclusive and equitable higher education classrooms. I find that sometimes, Danielle, when we come, you know, as educational developers, when we have these kinds of discussions with the people we're trying to support, sometimes they're met with, oh my God, thank you so much. This is amazing. And sometimes they're met with, you don't understand my discipline. Any words of wisdom? But I think it's interesting how polarized things can be and how the solution has always been for those things to now meet in the middle. And it's almost there needs to be another outcome. Like, can we meet higher together, a higher point that gets us there? And I definitely don't have the answer to how that all happens. But I think that it doesn't need to be a sacrifice of one thing, one value for another. It can be a coming together. One of the concepts of my research is bricolage, and it's the bringing in of different perspectives together. And it's also an art term which is about bringing, layering different things together as well. And so I think that maybe that's what it is. And now I'm thinking about my own dissertation research, which is about artist printmakers and how they subvert traditional routines of printmaking to create something new. But I think that is a way of thinking, like how do you layer these things together to create this grander um, vision and image of what education really looks like, even for social sciences and humanities, but also for the hard sciences and mathematics. I think that the connection with my research with this role is all about asking and answering the right question. Like, what is the thing that we are trying to solve? What role do we play in trying to solve whatever that thing is? And I feel like a really important thing that we're going to have to do over the course of our future is to figure out what that is. There's all these other organizations and companies in the marketplace that are doing educational development work. And some of them even sponsored our conference. And so if there's all these other people in the space, like what is our role in the space then? Are they replacing us in that space? Are they tools for us to use that help us do our work more easily and are able to focus on other aspects of our work like, what is our relationship to these other things? And being able to define whatever that thing is. I think, like, I, I can't even use precise terms 
at this moment. Then the other thing that's happening is that there's just so much going on in the world and all these issues that are impacting lots of different aspects of our life. The use of AI and like what role that plays in education. So there's people that think we shouldn't be using AI at all. People, you know, the use of AI can be really dangerous. But then there's also the use of AI as a tool for accessibility and that it's really just a helpful tool altogether across the board and creating parity. So there's a use for it in that in that sense and that it frees up time for pe people to be able to do other things that are that they need to do in life. Well, is it good or is it bad? And it's like, well, maybe that's not the right question. Is AI good or bad? The question is, how is AI going to alter the meaning of higher education? And then what role do we play in that changed meaning? But I don't think that's the, the question that people are answering in what what they're what's currently being talked about like I don't see that as the question being asked or answered I mean I think that's and that's where I am in my thinking and why I think multiple conversations on various things like that and trying to identify what those questions should be and then where our relation to those answers would be helpful along the way the questions being asked right now are typical to questions that I think we ask whenever an emerging technology becomes available more widely and then it's new and people aren't quite sure yet how to engage with it and how to interact with it. And I say engage and interact with because to me it's about it's our decision how we interact with it. And how we embrace it and how we adopt it and how we accept it and bring it into our teaching and 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 our lives. So it's interesting that you said that, that we're not there yet. Todd has a specific knowledge base to get to a place to say like what it means that people are using this tool. So for example, like if students are using chat GPT to write their papers, what does it mean that the currency of learning or understanding something isn't that you were able to put your sentences together on your own and that the currency is that you knew to put those things together and synthesize them together to begin with. And that's what we're all focused on. And I feel like it's like those, I don't want to say they're small parts because they're kind of big, big ideas that like need to be sliced off from the, oh my God, they're using this tool. And we need to track them using this tool. So let's say you were teaching next semester, or maybe you are teaching next semester, and you're designing your course. Are, have you thought about or 
what kind of questions you would ask yourself. I'll take one of my own doctoral courses on like culture. And we had all these articles that we had to read and then we had to write a paper. Well, I'll use change because change is a little bit easier for me. We had all these different papers that we could read about change and different perspectives on change. And they were like different levers of change by various different authors. Like, I think it'd be really interesting for, for the assignment of now synthesize what you think a, where all the different levers of change come together for a specific perspective, like write your whole paper with chat, chat GPT. And then you tell me what your prompts were to get you to these ideas that you synthesize together. And what you evaluate as an instructor is their prompts, like what their ideas were for how they navigated through developing their paper using the tool. And like that could tell you something about A, their technology technological literacy and like preparation for the future of what their work environment or learning environment is going to be like, but also tests that they understand how to pull ideas together. And I wonder what those papers could look like and footnotes of what those prompts were could look like and like how, how that could come together. So I think there could be like a lot of creativity in how we are now testing, for lack of a better word, testing people's understanding of various concepts. How do we surface some of these things without having people feel they have to have an answer? Mm, that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> I think that one of the things that I would like to see happen is that people's imaginations are activated and that we all need to be able to imagine a wildly different future, like really get kind of crazy with what we think the future of higher ed is hopefully questioning or critiquing ourselves a little bit more so that we can do better. Well, one session that I attended was how Chicanx feminist methodologies ground us in politically turbulent times. And the activities that we did were about building trust in another person in conversation. Like the only way that you can understand another person is for them to share their story and their background. And by doing this exchange with another person, you're building this trust with them. And it was just a very profound session. And it was interesting because like, I was thinking that the session was going to be something completely different, like seeing politically turbulent times. Like I thought there was going to be something about all the things that are happening in like 
various states of restricting, you know, speech of educators and that this was going to be like how you solve for that. And in a way it was how you solve for that. Like we need to have conversations. We need to build trust with, with one another in that way. We need to have communities that are sources of joy and freedom and, but also like knowledge and understanding and like all of that comes together through the Chicanx feminist methodologies. And so I think the more that we can utilize ideas that you would not expect to be the solution as the solution, I think the more we can come to a better outcome or a more a, a more imagined future that feels more that feels less uncertain and that feels more progressive. I mean, I guess uncertain isn't really that things are not going to get any more certain, any more certain, they're going to get more uncertain, but at least it would feel like progress instead of chaos. It's also like, it's a, another place to go to another people to go to that have a different perspective that you could say you could engage with. And that also draws people into the larger conversation. I think it's funny that we ended on relationships and vulnerability because the theme of next year's conference is relationships. And one of the things that was talked about in the anchor session was about vulnerability. Like you have to have a vulnerability in a relationship and that is not something that is valued in, in the higher education 